One of my biggest guiding principles is what I call grit. I never give up um, for my clients, especially. Um, even if they kind of give up on a topic or sometimes they even give up on me, I would never give up on them. So grit for me means being in it for the long run, being there when you're needed, knowing that success is not an overnight story. It's the sum of all the work that you put into what you love. And this is probably one of my biggest guiding principles. Um, and number two being, I call it eye-level partnership. For me, it is super important and it comes from overcoming my ego issues. I know that um, if I approach everyone around me on eye level, everyone else will look at me in the same way. So if people don't look at you in the same way, if you approach them on eye level, it says more about them than it says about you. Therefore, eye level partnerships are super important for me because it puts you next to each other into a car and you go down a route together rather than someone being your kind of puppet master using you for their purposes and not looking at what you need. So creating those win-win situations based on eye-level partnerships, this is not something that is important to me in business only. It's also important for me in my private life, how I approach personal relationships or relationships with other people in general. And it has served me very, very well from the time that I understood that I'm not better than anyone and no one is better than me. We all have different characteristics and strengths. And if we learn how to combine those, um, we are in it for the long run and for success. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risked their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Richard Matthews. I am uh, have the pleasure of having Alex Brookman on the line today. Alex, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Richard. Awesome. Um, where are you, uh, you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Maple Ridge, a beautiful city just half an hour outside of Vancouver in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, so I haven't been up there yet, but I've heard that Vancouver and British Columbia, that's like the nice part of Canada where it's all warm and sunny and beautiful all the time. Is that true? Um, I have to balance my answer here because as a permanent resident, I'm not a Canadian citizen, so I'd rather not mess with the rest of the country, but I think that's about right. <laughs> what you just said. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's the, uh, it's the, it's the Canada's version of California. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Yeah. We're uh, just 
um, on top of California and a bit further up north, but um, the, the weather is very mild. Um, we have the ocean here. It's typically not too cold in, in the winter and it can get fairly hot in summer, but it usually doesn't. This year was an exception, exception with temperatures well above 40 degrees Celsius or centigrade. It was really, really warm. Um, but now we're back where it should be. <laughs> yeah, we are in our travels. We're in Florida. For those of your audience to follow along where we're at, we're, we made it to Central Florida. We've been going up and down the East Coast this whole, whole year, uh, which has been fun. Um, so what I want to do before we get too far into the conversation, though, is I want to do a brief introduction for you. So my audience doesn't know you can know a little bit about what you do. So Alex is uh, a coach and you work with um, leaders to help solidify their strategy and the identity of their organizations through rigorous processes, balancing purpose and profit. And your purpose is to transform organizations to help make the world a better place. So what I want to start off with is what is it that you're known for? What do you do for your clients? And like, how do you get paid? Three very good questions. What am I known for? Um, there are basically two things that I'm known for. First of all is um, I work with two target groups. And one you already mentioned, leaders in large organizations. And the other target group that I work with um, are company founders, small business owners, and entrepreneurs in general. What I do for those target groups is um, kind of similar, but very different. So large organizations would hire us um, to help them through their strategy processes, meaning their business strategy processes, how they define strategy over a certain period of time, set up the change management around it, and then actually roll it out and hopefully make it successful. Um, so it's, it's hands-on, it's in the companies, very often face-to-face -face in workshops and facilitating the processes with the leaders in this organization. What, I, what I'm known for there is for being brutally honest and sometimes a bit blunt. That's when my German genes kick in, you know, um, but it works well usually wherever I'm in the world, people can deal with it. Um, and on the other hand, I work with entrepreneurs and smaller business owners basically to help them understand and get their head around the topic of strategy. It's a topic that's everyone uses the term strategy so often in so many different contexts that it has become kind of a buzzword and no one really knows what it is and what it is in a business context. So I help um, people that typically don't have a business background to get their head around it, to understand what it is and how it helps them become more successful. And we do that through, um, through courses that they can take, mainly online, self-paced learning, just to get your head around it. So basically, I take what I learned in the past 15 years with large organizations and break it down into the essential elements for entrepreneurs so that they can use the knowledge in their specific context, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So you do one-on-one -on -one coaching and you do online training? Yeah, among others, absolutely, yes. How do I get paid was the second part of your question, I think. Um, the good news is I typically get paid always. <laughs> so I never had an invoice not getting paid, <laughs> which is always good. Um, yeah, typically it, it depends. So those bigger um, contracts that we have with um, larger organizations, they typically run over years. Um, you have a frame contract in place. So the, the corporations that we work with, they are global brands. If I mentioned them, you would definitely know them. So those are um, structured processes. Purchasing is involved, you know, and you get your invoices paid about 
um, six to eight weeks after you send them. Typically in the business that I do with my entrepreneurs and smaller clients, um, it's a completely different um, dynamic when you sign up for an online course. Of, uh, you, you can just use your credit card to pay, you know, it's a completely different ballgame. <laughs> so what I want to find out then is how did you get started in this game, right? We talk on this show, it's the, your, your origin story. Every superhero has an origin story and it's the thing that made you into the hero you are today. Um, were you born a hero or were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into coaching and strategy for large organizations and entrepreneurs? Um, where did you start in a job and eventually switch over to the entrepreneur path? So how did that story happen for you? My story actually doesn't start with strategy. It's completely off topic. Um, if I go back to where I started my, my career, I have to start at, at a discotheque when I was 15 years old. Um, like a rock club where um, hundreds of motorcycles would be parked in front and people would hear loud music and drink beer. I fell in love with, with that kind of club culture and tried to make it into a living. And the closest thing that I could find was to become a radio DJ. Um, but actually, it's not that easy. Um, you, you can't just knock on the door of a radio station and be like, hey, I have all this experience <laughs> from, like from, from working, working in clubs. Can I do this in your station? It's not how it goes. So I actually became a professionally trained radio journalist. Um, and by doing that, I learned first and foremost how to ask proper questions. Because as a journalist, you need to know how to ask questions. Otherwise, you can't dig deep and, and get to the truth. That's your main goal as a journalist. It should be at least. So after several years in that industry, um, I switched gears and studied business administration. And it was at that point that I realized um, knowing how to ask questions is pretty, it, it comes in handy when you want to help organizations build better businesses. And why is that the case? Because in order to address things that don't work anymore, you need to understand why they don't work anymore. And then from there, you can ask the questions that help people understand what they want to do, what would potentially work in the future. And those are sometimes really, really difficult conversations because we cling on to the past. We've done things in a certain way in a company and we kind of like what we do most of the time. And um, all of a sudden you need to change. And then I think this, this is where, where it really gets tricky for many. How do you actually change? And, and since we're talking superhero, I think this is probably my personal superpower is to bring truth to leadership teams, to entrepreneurs, to help them face the truth, to help them face the facts. And then through questioning processes, help them understand where they want to go from there. If you don't accept the truth, change becomes basically impossible. You need to face the facts before you can make an informed decision for the future of your organization. And if you are a small entrepreneur and your head is always up in the clouds and you'd be like, yeah, but I could do this and I could do that. And this is a shiny object I want to go for. It's kind of difficult to actually make some informed decisions based on, on reality if you don't confront reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you started off as a journalist and then you moved into business administration and sort of brought that ability to question and really find truth to do that. How did you transition from business administration into coaching? That's a really good question. Um, when I 
when I first started out after university, you know, you have to earn your strides. So I became an executive assistant of a CEO in a large corporate, in a large corporation, one of the 10 biggest media corporations in the world. They had back then um, a large printing organization. So large volume gravure printing. They printed those mail order catalogs and magazines that we would read. And uh, Richard, do you remember when you read a magazine holding it in your hand or ordered from a mail order catalog, a physical mail order catalog the last time? Yeah. You probably don't, right? You don't remember that because have, it's so long ago. I, I, I have. I yeah. have ordered something, but I was a kid. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's the point. So the world had completely changed and no one was no one actually needed those mail order catalogs and magazines to that degree anymore. So the company really had to change and had to find a new strategy. And during that time, the leadership team that I supported as a strategy manager now um, also worked with some external facilitators and external companies. They worked with the McKinsey's, with AT Carney's, all those big um, consulting firms. And there were also some um, executive coaches involved that helped the executive team um, through the process, let's say, more from a human perspective than from a business perspective. And I observed how this executive coach worked. Um, I was lucky enough that my boss back then actually opened the door for me and said, if you want to work with this coach as well, be my guest. You can certainly learn something um, in the process. So I did that. And I, this was when I first got in touch with executive coaching as a tool to work through issues. Years later, um, I was... I had transitioned into a different job. I was not working for this corporation anymore, but actually was a strategy consultant myself, external consultant. Um, we met again because we were always joking, like at some point in time when I'm not working for your biggest client anymore, let's talk business and maybe we can do something together. And we actually did. We met, we played a round of golf and um, we figured that I should join his company. Back then, this was a one-man show. He was the founder. Um, he had one big client and uh, it sounded all exciting. So we joined forces. Um, I joined the company and in that process also went through an executive coach education and learned how to, um, how to facilitate strategy processes less from a consulting perspective, but more from a perspective to bring out the best knowledge that's in the company and help them reframe it. And this is when I realized how important those questioning skills were that I learned early as a journalist um, and now combining it with, with years of experience in the strategy area, um, all of a sudden became something unique um, that yeah. my clients really valued um, and that helped them to get to the results that they wanted, which was interesting because it was never my plan in the first place. It's not that you sit on your desk and scribble it down and be like, yeah, that's what I want to do because it's a unique combination of characteristics and capabilities that I have. You find out by accident, kind of. At least I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, so you moved into starting your career. Um, I want to find out, you mentioned it a little bit ago, your superpower is the truth seeking, right? And we talk on this show, every superhero has, or every kind of, every kind of hero has a superpower right and whether that's fancy flying suit or super strength or in your case the ability to tell truth but i i um we talk about it as being a zone of genius right it's a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over time 
um, that really help your clients come out on top in their journey. And the way I like to think about it is if you look at your, all the skills that you developed over your life, you probably have a common thread that sort of ties all of those things together, right? That ties all of your skills together. And it's that common thread is where you find your superpower. You mentioned the truth telling. If that's still your answer after the framing, what I want to find out, is that something that you were born with or is that something you had to develop? Definitely something I had to develop. And um, it's not only telling the truth or finding truth. I think what what's that's maybe the result of it. I think the underlying superpower is not to shy away from uncomfortable situations. The moment I know that I will ask the breakthrough question, I feel it in my belly. I, I know that this will be uncomfortable. When I get this funny sensation in my body that it, should I go there? Should I go there? Should I rather not? Should I avoid it? I know exactly that I shouldn't avoid it because it will help the people around me. And sometimes I need to put myself into a very uncomfortable situation, like really physically uncomfortable. But if I get there, the moment before I get there, I know that it will help the people around me. And that's when I know my superpower kicks in. The funny thing about this is um, when you are a physical person like I am, like I, 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 I'm very, oh, how do you say that in English? So tactile. I, sorry? Tactile. Potentially, yeah. So I, I function very much by touching things, um, not so much by just sitting there and consuming something, reading something. I'm, I'm someone who needs to explore and feel my environment. So my body tells me things before they happen kind of so when i when i go into a room and there is um a tense discussion i would feel that how tense it is in my in my muscles kind of and yeah. this gives me an idea of how to, kinesthetic. yeah kinesthetic is probably what i was looking for <laughs> so when i when i go in a room and i sense that there is tense energy it is something that I love because it shows me that energy is in the room and this energy can be transformed into something. And probably this is the underlying superpower to sense it and to be able to transform it into something positive, which then in the end helps you to get to the truth. So what's fun about that is that actually almost sounds like a comic book superpower where you yeah. can like grab the energy there and like mold it and shape it and then use it for good. Um, I don't know which superhero that would be, but it sounds like a superpower just on the surface. <laughs> uh, we can uh, make but, up a character together and uh, paint it and give it a, a nice a uh, superhero cape and a name. <laughs> uh, unless you listen to The Incredibles, she says no capes. Uh, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you you actually, you can... You, I, I love the way that you describe that, right? where you can feel the energy and the tension in the room and capture that and learn to sort of direct that so that you can, um, I don't know, it, it sort of reminds me of like a laser where you take the, the energy and you focus it, right? And when you focus oh, the yeah. energy, you can, you can take something that is light, which we deal with all the time and turn it into a weapon. Right, to accomplish things or funny you know. that you should mention a laser because that's a term I would always use um, to help my clients become laser sharp on their decisions and their um, 
prioritization because that's what strategy is all about. Strategy is really about being laser sharp on what you want to do to say yes to those few things and to say no to all other things and then to focus and stay sharp and yeah, laser sharp actually. Yeah, that's really good. So the flip side then of your superpower is your fatal flaw. And just like every Superman has her kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have something that's held you back in growing your business. For me, it was a couple of things, right? I struggled with perfectionism for a long time, which kept me from shipping product. Um, and really it's a super low standard to hold yourself to because you're never actually shipping anything. So you're holding yourself to no standard at all. <laughs> uh, and I also struggled with uh, uh, self-care where I let my clients walk all over me because I didn't have good boundaries. And I let my time walk all over me because I didn't have good boundaries for my work, things like that. So those were some things that I struggled with early on. I'm curious, what do you think your fatal flaw is? And I think more importantly, how have you worked to overcome it so that our listeners can learn a little bit from your experience? I think the biggest fatal flaw that I observed during my career was my ego. Um, I struggled with people that were questioning my authority for a long time that didn't see my worth um, and that kind of played on those, on, on this weakness. It was easy to spot and therefore easy to trigger. So yeah. I really had to work hard on overcoming those ego patterns and those underlying assumptions that um, I discovered thanks to working with a coach, by the way. Um, and it really helped me to understand my self-worth irregardless of how worthy other people thought my work would be. So I took a lot of pride in, in my education and um, in the experience that I gathered over time in large corporations as a management consultant and later as, as a strategy coach and facilitator. Um, it took years, to be frank, to, first of all, uncover those patterns and to take off all those layers of clay that I put on, on myself to protect me from those um, negative influences. The moment you put down those masks and, and, and protective armor and, and the moment you're vulnerable and accept that there are things that you need to overcome in order to become the best version of yourself, this moment was very powerful for me because I realized at that point in time that my own, um, that, that, that what I bring is good enough irregardless of what anyone thinks and that I'm not in, sorry for my French, in a pissing contest with anyone. It's just me and what I bring is good enough. I stopped years ago, I stopped completely to compare myself to the outside world. I stopped to compare my car to the car of my neighbor. I stopped to compare my home to the home of other people. I stopped to compare my salary or my career advancement to those of my friends in university. This for me was the path to happiness. Comparing how, yourself what is the path to the dark side, as I always say. How has that impacted like your ability to grow your business? Oh, massively, because all of a sudden I could focus on what I thought was important, not what I thought would make everyone else be like, oh, this is cool. It was all about being focused on what counts most 
And the funny thing is, this is what I do with my clients. This is exactly what I help them with, but I was never really able to, to do this for myself. So the business has been growing over years and it has been growing steadily, organically, very successfully, but it was not my business. You know, I mentioned earlier, I joined someone else and we built the business together. He was the business owner. This changed when I moved to Canada um, 18 months ago. I founded my own business prior to that already in Germany. So since 2019, I've been, I've been building my own business and I've been doing things on my terms in, with, with my kind of speed or velocity in building the business, just being confident that, first of all, my ideas are worthy. They will work because... I did not come up with them in a pipe dream. They are, yeah. I, I build, what I do is based on the market need that I see. So I know it will work. I have the confidence. I have the knowledge to do it. And those things that I don't know or I'm unsure of, um, I just source them. There are enough people out there that know way more about social media marketing than I do. So I involve those people, for example. And, and getting back to the second part of your question, how did I overcome those? So I think it's, it's a lot about self-reflection, acceptance of my fatal flaws, and then finding patterns to, to cope with them um, and to overcome them and to accept that you are, first of all, good enough and that you don't know everything and that it's okay because there are a lot of people out there that you can ask for help and that can support you. So being vulnerable, opening up and saying things like, I don't know how to do that. This is the first step because it opens up a playing field of, hey, but there are a lot of people that know how to do that. So let's team up and build something amazing. Yeah, yeah. I have, it reminds, you said something a second ago that reminds me of one of my coping mechanisms, so to speak, for dealing with my own flaws. Um, and I call them uh, psychological barriers or encouragement to action, right? Mm -hmm. So simple things like if I put my water flosser next to my sink, I never use it because I don't go to the sink every morning. But if I put it in the shower, I use it every morning because I go to the shower every morning, right? Like simple things like that. Yeah. Um, and I have to do a lot of those things in my life and my business to deal with my own flaws, right? So everything from like having, um, having someone on staff who is like a, I'll get myself, I get myself like 80% of the way through a project, but then I know I want to fiddle with it forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right. And I'll spend four times as much time on that last 20% as I did on the first 80% to get it where I go. So now I'm like, I'll get a project to 80%. And then I hand it to someone on my team, like finish this. Here's what needs to happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, because it's, it's my own my own flaw of wanting everything to be exactly perfect in the way that I want it to be. And I know I'm never going to get there. So I just have to take it off my plate, put it on someone else's who doesn't suffer from my, uh, my negative conditions. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's really important to understand what your strengths are, especially as an entrepreneur and a business owner, because the day has only 24 hours and every moment you spend on things, you are not perfectly positioned um, to do you don't get this time back to focus it on something that you were born for. So I really focus my time extremely well, I think. <laughs> it was a process I had to go through and to learn how to do that. Um, but it helps you incredibly to get things done 
and to focus on what matters most and what brings the most value to your clients and to your business. And for everything else, there are people that can be your support system. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your common enemy, right? So your common enemy is, you know, every superhero has their arch nemesis. It's the thing they constantly have to fight against in their world. In the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms, but we generally put it in the context of your clients, right? And it's a mindset or it's a flaw that they have when they hire you that you're constantly having to fight against. So you can actually get them the result they hired you for. And if you had a magic wand and you could just bop them on the head as soon as they signed on the dotted line and you didn't have to fight that enemy anymore, what would you say your arch nemesis is? There are maybe two. Um, the first one that comes to mind is when people hire you and don't get out of the way, they hire you for something. They know they need you for something, but then they don't get out of the way. It's the it's the project manager on the client side that is a perfectionist, for example, and wants everything to be their way and perfect. If you want to have everything your way, don't hire an external facilitator or consultant because you hire them to help you. In order for us to be able to help you, you need to step out of the way. You need to give us the freedom to bring our knowledge and expertise to the table. That's probably number one. So you need to, most of the time, we first need to educate our clients on how to get out of the way and to trust us. So we need to build that trust first, um, which is funny because most of the time they hire us based on years of experience on working with us in different contexts, but it's still there. It's... Um, it's not a bad thing to regain your client's trust over and over again. Don't get me wrong, but it's something that can sometimes slow the process down. If they just got out of their way, um, it could, it could be, could be so much faster. And the second one is probably for new clients, especially to help them understand what we do and what we don't do as a strategy facilitator. I help you uncover the knowledge in your organization and I guide you through a proven process that will bring you to the best possible result. I am not a consultant. I don't tell you what you should do. This is the biggest difference of a coach and a, and a, and a consultant. A consultant tells you what they think is the best for your business. A strategy facilitator or a coach helps you uncover this truth for yourself. The result is extremely different. As a consultant, if I tell you what to do, it's my piece of work, it's not yours. And therefore ownership and fighting for it will be different than if I have helped you discover you, what you want to do and thereby help you design your own strategy. You will own this, you will defend it, you will fight for it. This is completely different. And um, as soon as people understand that, the magic happens because they are fully invested. They are not reliant on some external McKinsey company or someone else that gives them a 350 page PowerPoint deck, kind of that's your new strategy, now go for it. I've, I've been there, I've seen audio. that. 
I completely um, understand that. I like the I like the concept of getting the owner to own their strategy and be something that that is from them. Um, and so I'm curious, when do you see the difference, like the need for a consultant to come in and fill in knowledge gaps versus having a coach who could help bring the knowledge that's there to the forefront? That's a great question. It's actually um, an important part that I cover in my new book that will come out early next year. Um, it's, it's basically just a side note, but based on this experience and your question already goes there, based on this experience, I, I wrote this into the book. When do you need a facilitator? When do you need a consultant? And the biggest selling point for a consultant is in fact knowledge and availability. Consultants are available on a very short notice. You can ramp them up kind of as additional workforce in a very short notice. And they bring most of the time an incredible cross-industry knowledge about a certain topic that you not necessarily have. So when you need knowledge and you need it fast, hire consultants. Me, as a strategy facilitator, I would actually even tell you at some points in the process you should potentially think about getting a consultant in for this piece or that piece. So I'm kind of the enabler for that. Um, what the biggest difference is, and, and that's when you bring in um, a, a facilitator or, or a strategy coach, is when you are per se very knowledgeable in your industry, but you are not that experienced in the process how to distill knowledge how to avoid certain pitfalls on the way. As a facilitator, I'm responsible for holding a safe space for my clients to guide them through a process that I've been through many times and therefore know where in the process there are pitfalls here and there. And I can help them avoid them by telling them three steps ahead already. We can do it that way. Just be aware that this will lead to X, Y, and Z in two months time. So I can help them navigate those uh, unknown waters, kind of like, like someone telling the captain, you better hold on to the steering wheel in this or that way right now. But I'm not telling them what to do um, strategy-wise, content-wise, because I'm not the industry expert. So if you want knowledge in a certain area, a consultant is your go-to person if you want someone to help you through a process um, a strategy facilitator or coach would be your go-to person yeah makes a lot of sense so i'm going to talk then about the flip side of your common enemy right so if your common enemy is what you fight against then your driving force is what you fight for right so just like spider-man fights to save new york or batman fights to save gotham or google fights to index and categorize all the world's information you have a mission what is it that you fight for in your company um, for me, something that drives me and is super important for me is, and, and you mentioned it in the beginning, it sounds grand and aspirational. It's to help companies build better businesses, to make the world a better place. Um, I am very environmentally conscious. Um, I'm a very conscious consumer. And I want companies to recognize and live up to their responsibility um, as corporate citizens. And what I mean by that is um, the clients, especially the corporate clients that I work with, they are, most of them are organizations with 
close to 100,000 employees or even larger. The buying power, the purchasing power, the power in the supply chain that they have, the people that they impact up and downstream in their supply chain is massive. If you take a company that has 100,000 employees, those 100,000 employees have families. Those families live in neighborhoods. They live in communities. Um, and if you as a company can help your people at make, make educated decisions, both from a, from a human standpoint, from a social standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, your reach as an organization is way bigger than just the people that work for you. So I really hope that through my work, I can help organizations build strategies that are not just focused on profit, but also on bringing their purpose to life. And what I mean by that is purpose for me is the issue out there in the world that you as an entrepreneur or as a company are uniquely positioned to address and ideally to solve. And this is not making money. This is something bigger than that. This is, for example, one of my clients, their purpose statement is doing now what patients need next. They are in the diagnostics and pharma game. They, are, they try to find, um, they were the first ones that came up with a COVID rapid test, for example. They saw the need out there and they went all in in order to find something that, that helps us through this, through this pandemic. And if you can merge profit and purpose, then you become something more than just an engine that helps your shareholders make money, that helps your employees um, to have job security. All those things are important but they are not what we need. We need more purpose in this world. We need to take care of our environment. We need to take care um, of nature. We need to understand the impact of how we consume goods and services to, um, to the people around us. And um, if you, or in this case, if I can help raise the awareness through those strategy processes, that strategy is just a vehicle to bring your purpose to life and not just a vehicle to make money, um, I think then I will die a happy man because this impacts millions of people beyond those that I work with. And if I can add my five cents here and there, I'll be happy. I, uh, uh, it must be inflation because normally it's two cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it reminds me of uh, there's a, a, a sort of an upcoming term, up and coming term called conscious capitalism. Um, and it sounds like you are fighting to help build conscious capitalism in the organizations that you work with. Totally, totally. For me, this um, I, I recently um, completed a course um, that I totally recommend Harvard Business School course called Sustainable Business Strategy. And the the core term in this course was helping organizations do good while also doing well. And, and for me, that encapsulates the topic of conscious capitalism or shareholder capitalism, not addressing just, um, uh, sorry, stakeholder capitalism, not addressing just the shareholders, 
um, but actually addressing the needs of all major stakeholder groups. And the public, for example, is a stakeholder group for companies like Google, Facebook, and so on. They are so large, they have such a large impact, they cannot simply work to maximize profits. They impact each and every one of us through their work. So conscious capitalism is something that is really, really important for us to avoid that we just burn out this planet and use the resources that are there um, in a way that the next generation finds this planet in a state that is just beyond the point of no return, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good mission to fight for. <laughs> so I want to, uh, I want to talk then um, a little about some practical things, right? I talk about the, uh, the hero's tool belt and, you know, every superhero has their, their, their gadget belt with, you know, batarangs or web slingers or, you know, magical <laughs> hammer they can spin and fly with, right? So I'm going to talk about the top one, maybe two tools you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to your, you know, something you use for product delivery, something you, you think is essential to getting your job done every day. If you know how um, companies typically hire us facilitators, um, you would picture them standing in front of a flip chart with one of those big fat uh, pens in their hands where we write on the, on the flip charts or the whiteboards. So I would say yeah. this is definitely the first one I need in my magic belt. And the second one is probably more um, invisible. Um, and it's kind of a, if you want the magic one that helps me navigate um, those difficult conversations that I often have with executive teams in strategy processes. It's more something, it's something more subtle, something less visible, and it probably ties back to my superpower um, of, of going to where it hurts and um, to molding the energy in the room. Um, I think this is definitely one of the, one of the gadgets that I want to have in my belt. <laughs> it's to be able to understand that energy and really, really, I don't know, be able to capture it, move it, and work with it. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. And now, a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. 
And now, back to The Hero Show. So, then I want to talk about your own personal heroes, right? And, you know, every hero has their mentors. Um, just like, you know, Frodo had Gandalf, or Luke had Obi-Wan, or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, or even Spider-Man had his Uncle Ben. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, peers who were a couple years ahead of you? Um, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far? I believe that everyone can be a, a teacher, um, even if it was probably not the nicest experience working with that person, you can learn something from that. Would I call these people my heroes? Probably not. Um, but that, that's basically, having said that, everyone can be a teacher for you. A few of those teachers can be your heroes and they are the ones that kind of paved the way um, and helped me get to where I am. And I think one of the biggest heroes in that context is definitely my, my friend Thor Olafsson. He brought me into the realm of um, executive coaching. Um, it's the person I mentioned earlier. Um, I joined and built this company with. Um, absolutely amazing human being. Um, very conscious in his, in his um, approach to his own life and um, really an inspiration in, in many regards. And um, probably um, another hero in my life, which is kind of cliche, but kind of important for me as well, is certainly my, my late father. He was uh, someone that would always encourage me to do things. So rather than saying, this is not going to work, or have you thought about this and that, he would, he would just be there and, and, and cheer me on and, and tell me that I should go for it if I really want to do it and learn from it on the way. And um, this kind of mindset is something that um, not only helped me to grow my former business and, and, and my business now, it also helped me to become more curious and more of an explorer of life in general, because it opened up the curiosity for me to be like, huh, what's behind this door? I wonder if I could, should I? What would my father say? Yeah, just open the door. And, and that's what I've been doing yeah. for a long time now. So definitely my father is um, in, in what he conveyed and what he lived and, and how he encouraged us to, to be curious and, and be explorers. That's, that's for sure my biggest hero. Yeah, I love that. I love that. My, my dad was the same way. He pushed me to do a lot of things. Um, and even though like he'll tell you today, he doesn't understand the work that I do or... <laughs> Um, or how I get paid or any of those things. He's like, he's, he's like, I'm proud of you for the work you do because you know, you followed your, your path, which is what he wanted for us. So yes. I have, a, I have a similar, similar story from my dad. Uh, but it's, it's always fun to, to hear other people's, um, like who their heroes were. Cause it's not, it's very rarely like big fancy names, right? It's the everyday people in your lives, your dad, your uncle, your teacher, um, someone who, saw something in you and pushed you to be your best yeah and in that context now that you say it they saw something in you i probably want to mention my ex-wife as well she was someone who very early um realized that there is a potential in me that i didn't see myself and she helped me uncover it um with her patience and um unique 
um, approach to me as a struggling person overcoming my own demons um, that I mentioned earlier. She always saw beyond that person that struggled with not being enough or having ego issues. She really helped me in that context. So I would probably add her to my list of heroes, everyday heroes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's awesome. So I want to talk then about your guiding principles, right? And one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Right? Yeah. And as we, uh, you know, for instance, Batman never kills his enemies, right? He only ever puts them in Arkham Asylum. So as we get to the end of this interview, I want to talk about the top one, maybe two principles that you live your life by. Uh, maybe something you wish you knew when you first started out on your own hero's training. <laughs> I think one of my biggest guiding principles is what I call grit. I never give up um, for my clients, especially. Um, even if they kind of give up on a topic or sometimes they even give up on me, I would never give up on them. So grit for me means being in it for the long run being there when you're needed, knowing that success is not an overnight story. It's the sum of all the work that you put into what you love. And this is probably one of my biggest guiding principles. Um, and number two being, I call it eye-level partnership. For me, it is super important and it comes from overcoming my ego issues. I know that um, if I approach everyone around me on eye level everyone else will look at me in the same way so if people don't look at you in the same way if you approach them on eye level it says more about them than it says about you therefore eye level partnerships are super important for me because it puts you next to each other into a car and you go down a route together rather than someone being your kind of puppet master, using you for their purposes and not looking at what you need. So creating those win-win situations based on eye-level partnerships, this is not something that is important to me in business only. It's also important for me in my private life, how I approach personal relationships or relationships with other people in general. And it has served me very, very well from the time that I understood that I'm not better than anyone and no one is better than me. We all have different characteristics and strength. And if we learn how to combine those, um, we are in it for the long run and for success. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea, the, the, the metaphor of the eye-level partnerships, um, right? Because it's saying you're not looking up to someone and they're not looking down on you or the other way around. Um, and it reminds me of something I learned in college because uh, I took Greek in college. And uh, one of the, my favorite words in Greek was the word fellowship. And, you know, we have all sorts of pictures of what fellowship means in English. Uh, but the original Greek word was used to describe the uh, people who were rowing the slave ships. Mm. Right. So if you had all the people that are sitting in the row and they have like four or five people on each one of the oars and when they would row together, um, they were considered to be in fellowship, right? Because they were all working together towards common goal, which is yes. moving the ship forward. Um, and I always like that metaphor of, of how, how fellow, what the word fellowship actually means is to be working together towards the common goal with someone else. Right? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I like that. Anyways, I like the eye level fellowship thing or eye level partnership. I never heard it put that way, but I really like that. <laughs> so that's basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish off every interview with a simple challenge. I call it the hero's challenge. And it's a way that I get access to stories I might not otherwise find on my own. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a good entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind for you. <laughs> I would definitely say Kate Tuck. Um, Kate is my one man marketing army or one woman marketing army for that, for the, for that case. She has been um, a constant support for years and her talents are so manifold. She could probably run three or four different companies offering three or four different services um, because she is so passionate about what she does. Um, I love working with her because she throws her whole heart and, and, and soul in what she does to help her clients um, in all kinds of different ways. She's an incredibly creative person. She draws, she comes up with amazing ideas. She helps me um, get my website to where it should be, all those different things. And um, she does it in a way that is always humorous. Um, we have always a hearty laugh on the phone. She sits in the UK, by the way, so... It's a bit of a time zone challenge sometimes, but um, we make it work because it's worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll reach out and see if we can get her to uh, say yes to an interview. We always love to get more stories on the show. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> in comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are standing up and cheering for the acts of heroism. So analogous to that on this show is where can people find you if they want to hire you for the strategy um, coaching, right? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Alex, I'd love to get your help with our company's strategy. And I think more important than where is who are the right types of people to reach out or the right types of organizations to reach out and ask for your help? So first of all, you can reach out simply through my um, website, alexthestrategist.com. You will find a ton of free stuff there from checklists to toolkits to articles I, I love to share valuable content with the people that I work with um, and also people that are just interested in the topic. So no need to hire me for anything. Um, enjoy the free resources, get the best out of it. AlexTheStrategist.com. The stuff is mainly for um, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and founders. Um, a lot of those checklists and toolkits that you find there will help you initially to get your head around um, strategy, purpose, vision, mission, all those terms. What do they mean? How are they connected? How do they influence each other? Um, but also um, I have a B2B section on my website um, based on those 15 years of working with large corporations. So if you are um, a leader in a medium-sized corporation or even large corporation, um, my services can be found in the B2B section. and um, Important to understand that, um, of course, you can just hire me for keynote speeches or for a strategy workshop, but most of the work that I do for larger corporations, they are longer term customized projects that um, are simply dovetailed to the reality that you are in. So it's nothing off the shelf. It's really something that we co-create together for the best possible impact. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Alex, and sharing your story. 
and what it is that you do. It's been fascinating to sort of hear that journey and that experience. Um, so I really appreciate that. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? It's not wisdom. It's just saying thank you, Richard. When I first uh, came across your show, I loved how you frame conversations based on this theme of superheroes. It's it, it's just amazing how you are able to, whatever person you talk to, how you are able to frame it in this superhero context. And it makes so much sense because there are, and I wouldn't consider myself a superhero, but there are so many real superheroes out there that should um, be guests on your show. And I really very much appreciate all the work that you do. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me and or for, for saying that. And one of the things that I, I built the show around is this whole idea that we have this we have this sort of cultural misconception, especially in America. I'm not sure how it is in other cultures, but especially in America, that entrepreneurs are the villains. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. that's always bothered me, right? And you can watch any of your kids' TV shows um, or any of the stories they read, and there's the common theme is that the bad guy is always some version of an entrepreneur who's pouring oil on ducks for a profit, right? And so we grow up with this idea that entrepreneurs, as a whole, are willing to sacrifice you know, the conscious capitalism like we were talking about and for the dollar. And that's just not true, right? It does happen, but it's not the norm and it's not the reality. And most, um, and so especially new entrepreneurs, we struggle with things like thinking that profit is evil or thinking that um, we don't have value to bring to the world or that entrepreneurs don't bring value to the world. Um, so we struggle with things like pricing our services. And I just want to change that conversation. So anyways, I appreciate <laughs> what you said.